You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? It's Friday. It's still Friday. It is Friday. Love it. Podcast Friday. Let's do this. I'm actually excited about this one. So today's topic is uh, what financial planning resources are available and out there on the World Wide Web and, and other sources, right? Both you and I are big podcast guys. Yep. Not only do we do a podcast, but we also uh, listen to quite a few. We do, yep, and read a lot of blogs and pay attention to what's going on in the world. So this is, this is a common question we get from clients. You know, where do you, basically, where do you go to get your news and information, right? Yeah. So, and I, you know, I, I am sure you're very similar, have like a daily routine of things that I try to check out and listen to and check into and make sure that I'm up on what's happening and then also get some insight and inspiration. So we thought we would kind of uh, share what some of our favorites are yeah. um, to our listeners here today. Yeah. For those of you who don't feel that our podcast is quite all of the financial planning resources you could need. I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Kitchen Table Finance <laughs> podcast is number one yeah. on the list. Well, right, but there's just so many, so many things, so much time in the day, right? We can't cover That's everything. Right. So, That's all right. right. One of the first ones on my list. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Christine Benz at Morningstar, and Morningstar.com. You know, Morningstar is famous for their their research for their deep dives into mutual funds and stocks and giving investment advice and portfolio advice. Christine Benz is their personal finance person who basically takes that research and puts it into digestible general public form. She's a good writer and very practical. And she's one that I feel like isn't going to steer anybody wrong. It's investment focused for the most part, but there's always a personal financial planning part to it and not necessarily a bunch of nerdy stuff about betas and alphas and, you know, the stuff that you and I like to get out our calculators and figure out. But uh, yeah, a recent example of one of her posts was five must knows about must knows things you must know about in retirement for spending. You know, that's, that's kind of her bent. Yeah. So Morningstar is one of those, you know, I remember when I first came in the industry, it was kind of like the go-to place Mm -hmm. for research and information. And they've always done a great job of remaining pretty independent from a lot of that stuff Mm -hmm. and putting a lot of good information out there for the general investing public. So um, just a great resource in general, but definitely Christine does a great job of kind of, Breaking that down and putting it into a format that's, you know, impactful, but also very informative. You know, my daily routine, first thing is to pull up the Wall Street Journal online every morning. It's, it's a subscription and it's expensive. Some of their stuff is uh, available to the general public. And, and one, of, one person I would advise people seek out is their writer, Jason Zweig, Z-W-E-I-G. Um, he writes their intelligent investor column. And again, kind of like Christine, it's good um, general public information without getting too, um, it's not geared towards professionals, geared towards, towards everybody. 
one of his most recent ones I liked. The title was uh, "For Every Bank Failure, There's a Villain." So mm-hmm. his role is his role there is to kind of take some of that the stuff you're going to see in the headlines and and help you think about how it affects you. And uh, I thought that was a good one. Yeah, another one of those when I you know started in the industry, I used to actually dating myself here, Dave, but get the Wall Street Journal delivered to the uh, to the office in paper format. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even well, know if they do that anymore, but <laughs> well, where I, where I lived, you could get the Wall Street Journal in paper format the day after, so that never did us any good. I was so excited when I could get an online subscription to the Wall Street Journal. It was brand new and it was free. Oh yeah. And then yep. I think it was like three dollars a month or something like that. It is now thirty-eight ninety-nine. So yeah. I don't think all of that's inflation. <laughs> <laughs> I think in two thousand one they had no idea what what online subscriptions should be priced at. So another one of our favorites is uh, Mr. Paul Merriman from the Merriman Foundation for Financial Education. Yeah, I've I've leaned on him pretty heavily over the years, both for my own professional education, but also for resources for clients. His background is that he ran an RIA, a registered investment advisory firm like ours out in Seattle. Um, but he also wrote a lot and was in major publications um, all the time. And, you know, few different ones, money.com and, you know, a few things like that. But he was all over the place for a while. When he kind of retired, he retired to found his own foundation that's dedicated to helping improve investment education for common everyday Americans. Yeah. So one of one of uh, his favorite parts of doing this was just the education piece and, and has continued on in that work, thankfully, and, and does mm-hmm. put out a lot of good content, a lot of good information on his website. He also has a newsletter that you can subscribe to where he'll give yeah. updates and things of that nature, which is very useful. He also has on his site books that you can download, and I believe they're free. There may be a nominal charge now for some of them, like a like two or three dollars to cover his okay. costs. But they used to be completely free. Don't don't so don't. But whatever the cost is, it, it's it's nominal, and they are geared towards. Hey, this is you're just getting started and saving for retirement. Let's let's educate you. He's got three or four of them out there. They're all worthwhile. I've looked at them all over the last 10, 15 years. Um, he also isn't shy about giving specific advice and models. Like he'll, he's got on his site, if you're going to go to a particular, if you're going to go to Vanguard and build a portfolio, here's a potential actual list of funds that might make mm-hmm. sense for you for different scenarios. And, you know, while we always like to um, steer people towards working with a professional, there's always going to be folks out there that are going to want to do it themselves. And he's a great resource for that because he'll help filter out some of that sales marketing stuff and give you the straight uh, straight information. Yeah, definitely a great place to start for a lot of that stuff. So let's talk about podcasts. Dave, what's your uh, go-to podcast? There's a couple from the Wall Street Journal. I know, no surprise. One that I really like and don't have enough time to listen to it daily, but I try to cherry pick the topics is their journal podcast, just called The Journal. And what they do there is they take a deep dive into something that's in the headlines in the last couple of days. 
And so, no, these are from a couple of weeks ago, but, um, you know, there, one, one of them that they did was millions of women were left, left work during the pandemic. Where are they now? Baby powder, baby powder bankruptcy in the Texas two-step on the legal fight over baby powder and possible cancer implications. That was two weeks ago. So, you know, things like that, 15, 20 minutes, usually good stuff and leaves you better informed for cocktail parties, if nothing else, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> remarkable, some of the well, research and things that they can do on some of those topics. And it's very interesting if you're into that. What I find is that inevitably, something that I hear on there is going to come up in a client conversation at some point in the next mm-hmm. week or two. I like to have that little bit of deeper background on some of those topics. They tend to be timely. So I also am a big fan when it comes to the Wall Street Journal podcast of their What's News, which uh, they update three times a day, just kind of an update on the headlines. Mm-hmm. I try to catch that one every morning on just, you know, I think it's like 10 or 15 minutes of what's going on in the news. I usually put it on while I'm getting ready for work or drinking my first cup of coffee. And yeah, it's it's 10 to 10 to 15 minutes on the headlines and the thing about the thing about the wall street journal is they're kind of no nonsense about this stuff you know mm-hmm. it's not sensationalized it's not um, it's it's really what if you're paying attention to the markets and what might affect your retirement your portfolio that's what they're going to talk about and um, it's good stuff i always have the best of intentions to listening to the ones later in the day and hardly ever do anymore, but they do, they do a, a, a lunchtime and a market close as well. They're all, they're all worthwhile. Yeah. Um, the, and the, so the last one on the wall street journal side is called your money briefing. Um, it's a little bit more of personal finance career checklist. So geared towards younger listeners, I would say, but they have a lot of information about how things affect your money and what to do with it. So some recent examples, they've been doing a series on buying a house and what that looks like. Obviously, that's changed a lot in the last 6 to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And so they've gone in depth and done four or five episodes on house buying and how to think about that, um, which I think is, is helpful. And so just a little bit more tailored towards personal finance. And again, those are like five to 10 minutes max, maybe. Mm-hmm. So a um, really great way to get caught up on some personal finance stuff. NPR, National Public Radio, has a couple good ones too. Their Marketplace uh, marketplace podcast is good. And uh, it really helps make sense of what's going on in the business news of the day. Similar to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, so I, I a big NPR guy growing up. You know, my dad would drive mm-hmm. around and we listen to NPR all day and... <laughs> Inevitably, by osmosis, I would get some of what they were talking about. But uh, Marketplace, I know, is a favorite of uh, one of our good friends and partners, Mario. And Mm -hmm. it really just does a great job of kind of explaining what's going on economically, but also, you know, Kai Risdale, who's the host, does a lot of, Mm -hmm. like, they'll have members of different, like the Chicago Fed president was on there recently. They'll do interviews with people like that. And it's just very, you know, if you're into the economy and what's going on, uh, it's a great resource for a lot of that. Yeah, I've enjoyed that one for a while. And you can catch it live on the radio too. So radio, what's radio, Dave? Yeah, I know. (laughs) When you're in the car, Nick, there's this thing, this little box with knobs on it. But uh, Uh, yeah, the... 
NPR station up here used to play it at 8.50 every morning. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I tease, but my daughter says I'm probably one of the last people that actually still listens to radio. So <laughs> her one requirement of a car is, does it have an aux cord? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> or <So>, Bluetooth. <laughs> so another, another big favorite from NPR, we both enjoy this one, is Planet Money. Yeah. Planet um, Money, again, very similar to um, Your Money Briefing, except for it does take a deeper dive into a lot of the different what's going on in the world and how it ties into the economy. So they do a great job of kind of taking a deeper dive into some of these topics that are bopping around the news. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, just about everything that makes the news has some kind of economic implication these days. And I've always thought they did a good job of helping people like see that some like political issues are also economic issues. I guess is, is, is the simplest way to put it. Yeah, for sure. So some of the most recent ones, the battle for Puerto Rico's beaches, Charles Ponzi's scheme actually did a deep dive mm-hmm. on who Charles Ponzi was and what his original uh, Ponzi scheme was, so to speak, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, and then uh, lastly, from NPR, very similar to the Wall Street Journal's What's News is they do have an up first, which is basically just covering the three biggest mm. stories of the day. Um, so another way to get, you know, just a daily update on headlines in the news. Yeah, that's not one I'm familiar with. That's good, though. Well, this one I know is on both of our lists. Yeah. Um, and that is yeah. uh, the Freakonomics podcast. Yeah. The, and I would add their books, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Freakon- um We've both been big fans of Freakonomics. And I would say they're there too, like, like just helping, helping you understand how to think like an economist, how to think mm-hmm. about problems in a practical sense, get rid of the, uh, get rid of the uh, gut reaction to the news and actually think about like the rationale behind people's behavior or the lack of rationale behind people's behavior. And you know, they say they their tagline is that they explore the hidden side of everything, right? And, um, you know, in this world, things often aren't what they seem on the surface. But when you start dealing with things in terms of the mechanisms of supply and demand and, and causality, it can get pretty interesting. They do a great job of that. It's fun, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember when their books came out, reading their books, and you know, they did a great job of just taking everyday things that people just made an assumption on and actually going mm-hmm. and looking at the numbers of it and actually debunking what a lot of people thought about things just by looking at the economics and actually researching what was happening and why it was happening. I remember um, one of the first things, I, I think this was on their one of their early podcasts. I don't think it was in one of their books, but they were talking about how people, like, like people, this applies to us. So bear with me for a second here. But, you know, when we talk about portfolios, a lot of times people feel better if you're doing something rather than mm-hmm. nothing. And, and to illustrate why that doesn't always work, they talked about soccer goalies and penalty kicks. Do you remember that one? I, so, I did not listen to that one. I saw th- this, around, was, this, this, was, this was an early one, I believe. So, okay. so think about it. The goalie's got to protect this huge net, right? Yep. And they've got, a, they've got a one-on-one, somebody's coming at them and kicking. And most of the time, the goalie decides before the kicker even engages, they're going to dive one way or the other, right? Yeah. Statistically, statistically, they'd almost be as well off just to stay put, 
<laughs> you know, it, it, it's the whole, they go into all the, you know, the math behind it, but you know, the, if they stood there and they kicked it in the corner, they, they couldn't, you know, it, it, like the crowd would never let them live that down. Right. But if right. they dive and they dive the wrong way, at least they were doing something. Right. Yeah. And so, right. you know, that one's always stayed with me is kind mm-hmm. of, um, cause they do, they do the statistics and the math behind yeah. it, but. Well, you know, if they do nothing and stay in the middle, they get no credit for that. Right. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Even if they, even if they're successful, it didn't matter. You know, it wasn't it's just because the kicker yeah. just kicked it into them. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff they talk about. And, um, you know, some of their episodes on like the TSA and statistics around air travel versus safe, like, like safe things we did to things we do to feel safer that don't necessarily contribute to safety, like around the TSA, like they talk about delays after 911 actually caused more car accidents and and cost more lives than over the course of 10 years than the terrorist attacks did. Yeah, well, and this was from one of the books. They got into a lot of trouble about uh, car seats for kids and doing testing on car seats. And the conclusion they came up with is it's not really helping these kids. It probably is making it worse. Obviously, we get excited about that one. We've talked about it for five minutes now, I think. But uh, this was a new one that you brought to my attention just today, actually. And I'm, I'm just subscribed to it as soon as you told me. And that's Morgan Housel has a podcast out. And he's one of our favorite writers, wrote The Psychology of Money, and um, now has a podcast out that he's dubbed Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. He's a brilliant writer and just a down-to-earth guy. So I'm looking forward to getting into that one. Yeah, I've listened to the first couple episodes and they have been very good. But uh, Morgan Housel, if you remember, we did the um, book review on his psychology of money. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll throw a link to that in the show notes. Um, But yeah, just uh, I love the way he approaches things and when it comes to personal finance and the way he thinks about things. And so... I think that's going to be a really good one. I think he's only like five mm-hmm. or 10 episodes in, um, but I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, just yeah. love the way he kind of thinks and explains things. And and he writes for a general audience. He's not, he's not oh, aiming yeah. that at financial advisors and planners. It's very relatable. Talks about his own experience in his book quite a bit. And uh, which I think is very useful. That's, that's pretty much our list of stuff that we, know and follow personally that we think applies to to the general public there's plenty of professional stuff that we spend a lot of time yeah there's um one more i'm going to throw in here dave i don't know if this is on your list or not but that is i have long been a subscriber to consumer reports oh yeah which is an independent nonprofit organization working for this is obviously their website working for transparency and fairness in the marketplace Mm -hmm. what i love about it is there is they do have a personal finance section um and just in terms of you know, getting personal finance information out there. Um, But they also do product testing and reviews. So Mm -hmm. when you're looking to buy it, make make a major purchase, whether it's a TV or a car, they have just a whole list of, they basically test everything in their labs. um, And they, you know, they get all of their funding, the majority of their funding from their subscription. I think it's $39 a year to get the, 
online subscription. You can pay a little extra if you want the magazines that they have. Um, and then obviously by donation. But it's just a great way to think about major purchases. And I find it useful. You know, I'm amazed at some of the stuff they have in there in terms of like just the ratings of what was I looking for the other day? Oh, uh, um, uh, electric drill or something along those lines. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of different products that they test. And so I find it really useful when I'm thinking about making purchases. Um, but they also, so as far as personal finance goes, a couple of the um, recent articles one with high fuel prices is a gas credit card worth it. They kind of walk through mm-hmm. the math on that and figuring out how to make oh, it worth good. it. Yeah. Um, also, you know, how to a balance transfer credit card can help you pay down debt. So talking about some of the specifics around um, thinking through some of those things, which I think mm-hmm. I find very useful. Um, they've done a couple of things recently on, you know, is an electric car worth it now that gas prices are higher and just kind of comparing the mm-hmm. electric versus gas cars versus, you know, fit, factoring in all the maintenance on a gas car versus the electric car and, and kind of walking through some of those issues. So I find that as a really useful resource as well. Great. Yeah, that's not one I would have thought of. If you have time over and above, obviously getting your weekly dose of the Kitchen Table Finance <laughs> podcast. We find a lot of these useful. If our listeners have other resources that they like, I uh, would love to hear about those. Feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, I, there's tons out there we probably haven't even thought of or heard of. So, yeah, At some point, I got to cut myself off. I have too many uh, podcasts that get <laughs> yeah. downloaded to my phone every day. Yeah. I, can only, I yeah. can only do so much. We're only human. Even at two times speed, I can only do so much. (laughs) If I get above one and a quarter, I get lost. So more power to you. Dave, as always, been a pleasure. It's been fun. I'll talk to you later. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.